We are and always will be a nation of immigrants. This is my country, my damn country. Give me my country, you can keep the rest. Old men and women yearning for freedom and opportunity who leave their homelands and come to a new country to start their lives over. We were strangers once too. My country, my damn country, give me my Hello, 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 aliens and allies. Your friendly Russian is here. This is We the Aliens podcast, and I am your host, Sasha Kapustina. Here, I talk to immigrants who are kicking ass in the U.S. Thank you for tuning in. My guest this week is Erwin Valencia. Erwin is a Filipino-American. He was born in the U.S., he grew up in the Philippines and came back to the U.S. after college to pursue a career in professional sports. And now he is the director of training and conditioning with the New York Knicks. And this is part two of our conversation where Erwin shares his story of getting into the NBA and remaining a lifelong learner. We also talk about the sense of belonging and Erwin shares some beautiful gems of wisdom there. So here's our chat. You know, it's, it's well known that most nurses and, and a lot of, in, in this country are all Filipino. It's because we like to take care of people. And so if I can't be the superstar, then I can be the star behind the superstar. The one that makes sure that these athletes, um, you know, get to their best potential. And so for me, that, that took... You know, I, I was asked this question when I when I when I finally got my job in the NBA, and and I was asked the question, you know, what message do you have for kids back home in the Philippines? And this reporter flew from the Philippines to interview me, and out of nowhere, I you know I answered three things. I said, I said, you got to visualize it, you got to prepare the path, and you got to manifest it. And that's been my life's mantra. That's my my life's kind of system, I guess. Um, which will hopefully be part of an upcoming book. So, um, and so that system is that, and I say that because, you know, when I was 18, I had a, I woke up in the one night in the morning and I had this vivid, vivid dream. And this dream of me standing up in a basketball arena, uh, smelling the combination of popcorn, hot dogs, and the clone of the coaches next to me to uh, the sounds of the music and the disco and then the girls like cheerleaders dancing and the lights and, and the cameras and everything that was going on. Like I, I, I felt it so innately that the vision was so clear to me that that was the path I needed to get to. And so I, as I visualized it, then I asked myself, what do I need to do to get there? And that took obviously years of understanding what schooling to do. And back then there was no internet. So I had to use magazines. I had to go to the libraries to find the Dewey Decimal System and find what magazines would have the word sports medicine or working in sports. I pretty much had to pave my own way. I had to create what that was going to look like. And then when I finally had opportunities, it was me. And as I say it, so I there was visualize, prepare for the path and manifest it because there were days that I was trying to push for a job. I said, oh, this is the one I'm going to get. Yeah, this one I want. Or, or this is the one that I'm... I, yeah, the universe wants me to get this. And you're like, but you were for, I was forcing it. And these were the jobs I didn't get. And it wasn't until I let go completely, uh, but set the intention on my birthday on 2014, on my birthday in 2014, that I asked the universe for exactly what I wanted is I wanted a gig in the NBA to be able to fulfill not only my dream that I've had since I was 18, uh, but also a dream that could be fulfilled for millions of Filipinos who've ever wished to work in professional sports and particularly in basketball. And, 
and I asked for that intention. And instead of making it rain and popping champagne, as I normally would on my birthday, I decided to give hugs in the middle of Prague to strangers. I gave 300 hugs to strangers completely uh, with permission. And um, I was with two friends from Czech Republic and and we spent three and three hours just giving hugs. And I completely forgot of what my wish was. And, uh, and two days later, I got a phone call. And then the next couple of days, I got another phone call, uh, emails and phone calls. And it turns out that, you know, that certain teams wanted my service and I didn't send a CV out. I didn't apply for any program. Somebody just heard that, Hey, what are you doing? And would you be interested in working at the highest level of basketball? And I was like, sure. You know, uh, in the end, I had five teams asking for my service and it was truly a blessing from God. And because I let go of my expectations and allowed the universe to work for me after setting that intention. That's so crazy. I love it. I love to hear that. I love to hear stories like that. But I know that before that, there was a lot of, before you arrived at that moment of acceptance and being able to let go, you were mentioning how you were in the moments of like pushing sometimes for things or, and, and struggling. There were, it, it didn't happen overnight. It actually happened over course of what, 15 years? Yeah, it took uh, 18. It took 18 years for me to fulfill that dream. Yeah. So it, it does take a long time. And I think it's, it's another important thing to remember that it is okay to take time mm -hmm. to get there. Um, and I want to go back a little bit. Well, I, I want to go back almost uh, halfway to the moment <laughs> when, when you got to the U.S., what was that moment where you made the decision? Where were you in your thinking about your uh, goals in life? Like, how did you make that decision to, to move? That's a big decision. Well, it was a natural progression. You know, I, I finished physical therapy school in the Philippines and there was really no opportunities for me in the Philippines. If I wanted to get myself into professional sports, I needed to go back to the U.S. And so many of my classmates wanted to move to U.S., purely to have a better life. Um, I was lucky because I did have a U.S. passport that I had a chance to then not just have a better life, but actually fulfill my dream. And so for me, coming to that decision was, was what, what do I need to do? What was the path? As I, I will say, it's, it's first getting to the U.S., leaving everything behind in the Philippines, be starting from scratch again, coming with nothing but two suitcases. Yeah, that's a big one. Two suitcases and bank account that I've been saving since I was a little boy. Really, that's all I really had. You know, something I've never touched that like almost my parents almost made it taboo for me to touch that bank account. It's amazing that you had a bank account. I didn't yeah. like one of the things that like I, I think every time but that comes with a dad who works in the finance. That that <laughs> yeah oh my and my mom was also went to business school. So both my there parents went to business school. And so they like from the moment I was born, they opened a bank account and started putting like five dollars ten dollars in, in in my u.s bank account and this they and held it for until i left the philippines at the age of 22 so it was something that they constantly just kept there and it's like you know and, and hoping with obviously probably not the best place to put money if you wanted to grow for 20 years because it's you know the point yeah. zero five percent growth is terrible um you know if, if i only knew then i should have put it on bitcoin but uh <laughs> Well, that doesn't exist yet. It didn't exist yet. Yeah. Um, but, it, but it was one of those things that really, it was uh, challenging for me because I was starting from scratch again. And uh, the first thing I had to do is, is pass my board exams. The only way for me to have some sort of chance 
is to, to study for my boards and pass it. And so that's what I did in San Francisco. I lived in my cousin's couch and I studied every day, went to the gym, worked out, studied, walked, um, you know, and did my thing and did that every single day for about two months until I took my boards. And, uh, and, and even San Francisco wasn't even my home base. And, and after a, a trip to Orlando to visit uh, my auntie, my cousin said, hey, look, you passed your board exams. You're, you're, you're on your way to getting uh, a job. I think it's about time for you to uh, leave the couch. And, and at that time, I was like, I wasn't sure whether I should feel insulted, abandoned, or, or, or just part of love. But, uh, but it definitely helped me learn what life is about in America. It's like, you know, you're so used to everyone here, uh, everyone back home saying, like, you stay as long as you want, and they mean it. You could literally stay in somebody's house for like six months and not have a problem with it. You're part of the family. But America, there's bills, there's bills to pay, there's monthly things to do, there's people that owe money to somebody, then they have to like, you know, so yeah. uh, there's loans. So, so my cousin's like, well, uh, you know, unless you're paying rent for that couch, you know, and I didn't even know what the, what she meant by rent, you know, it's like, uh, you know, yeah, life is brutal that way here. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no, like, there's no training wheels. There's no handholding. You come here, you need to like get a loan to buy a house. You need, if you don't have money, you, you know, you need to sign up for, you need to make sure you sign up for, uh, for your, for internet access and utilities or else you don't exist in that place. You know, it's like, it's kind of interesting. It's like, there's no, uh, you're, you're, you're in. And I think that, that in a sense, uh, is the reason why every immigrant that comes to America learns the hard way, but then comes out of it so much stronger immediately. Yeah. In such a fast track yeah. way. And so after making those first steps, like what you studied a lot. Oh yeah. I'm not even done studying yet. You study all the time. <laughs> I do. So I was, uh, so I, I finished school, did my boards, worked for, uh, I was very lucky that my auntie that lived about you know, an hour South of San Francisco and Fremont offered me her couch as long as I can take care of her three Rottweilers, four Rottweilers, um, and, uh, and be rent-free and, and, and help get me a job, my first job, um, out of school. And so I got my first job working in a clinic. It wasn't the sexiest thing at all. And, but I knew that I wanted to work in sports. And so I started looking from the moment I arrived in that job, I said, I started looking for what, what it would take for me now being in America, I could look on the internet and, and, and find out what schools would be able to get me to where I could, could be one step closer to where I wanted to be. And that journey took me to all the way to the opposite side of the country in New Hampshire, where there was a startup program that were looking for students to start this new program that was out there that I was perfect for. It would just, once again, take me having to leave California where my family, my cousins are and all that stuff. And to now going to a state where not only I was I by myself and had no one close to me, but also in a state well, well, where minorities were really minorities. You know, there was really in my in the school I was in up in the mountains, there's probably only 10 people of color. You know, everyone was from the area. There were locals. A lot oh, of them, a lot, a lot of them were like local, or they drove from a different state or town right around the area. And um, and which then brought me to athletic training and sports medicine and allowed me to get one step closer. And, and because I was already a physical therapist, I was able to get a, a scholarship to get 
half a school paid for. Um, uh, and then I worked a little bit in order to get the rest of it paid for. You know? Yeah, that was my so, question because I know for a lot of people, myself included, uh, education in America seems like a very intimidating yeah. endeavor uh, because it feels, I mean, in Russia, education is free as long as you, you get a government scholarship, basically, if you yeah. qualify. And here, not only it is uh, paid, but it, the amount that it costs is just it puts such stress on on you if you if you're getting into it mm -hmm. um and i know that you you took this program and then you took another program how, how did you how did you manage that uh, for me what was important is that how can i be the best in my category how can i be a leader uh, and so I was already behind the eight ball coming from the Philippines. I was, everybody was already getting their master's as they finished PT school. I had a bachelor's. And by the time I finished my master's, which wasn't in physical therapy, it was in athletic training and sports medicine. Now everyone was getting a DPT degree or the doctoral degree level. And I, I kept on chasing and chasing. And it's like, so it really wasn't until 2011 when I finished with my doctor of physical therapy with a specialized, with specialization in manual therapy that I that I felt like was finally at par with everybody else. And that was a tough decision for me because when I, when I made that decision to go to school for my master's, most of my friends who were already physical therapists were either working in good jobs or, or starting clinics uh, independently as business people. And I was going back to school. And for me, if they wanted security. For me, I was still chasing a dream. And so I had to make sure that what can I do so that I'm more attractive to professional teams for me to work for them? And this is the path that I need to, uh, what, what are the associations, the communities, uh, where can I find them? Where are they gathering together? How can I make connections? And so it was important to find a network. And if I wasn't part of that network, then I wouldn't be known. So it was important for me to just be in the thick of things and ask questions to people who've been in the industry, even though they don't, they just look at me at some young kid who's just asking these weird questions. But that's the only way you can truly be known and be recognized. If you're that guy that pests everyone on a regular basis and they see you everywhere and they're like, hey, you're that kid that I met last year, huh? Yes, that's me. And so I continue to make these connections so that the moment, when the moment arrived that I was finally done with school and I was finally like working and I had a good practice and I had experience in my belt, you know, it was easy for me to, to apply for things because now my resume looked attractive because now I was better than everybody else I was applying. Wow. That is that is such a uh, thank you for sharing this because and and that tip about being you know plugged into the community I think that's you know one of the most important things and one of the most challenging things let's be honest for immigrants because and I, it comes up with in many interviews of many of my conversations with my guests where when you come here and I certainly felt that too um, you have no idea especially when you come as an adult, like I came for graduate school also right. here, um, you, you take it for granted, the, the, the connections that you have back home. Oh, that's a family friend. That's my, that's a friend of a friend. We can make the phone calls in three phone calls. I can get to anybody. Yeah. Uh, you don't have that here when you get yeah. here and you have to really, really work that. And so what were the specific things that you did to build that network? Uh, I showed up at every conference that was either close to me uh, or national conferences. If it was close to me and it was like a three-day event and it was a learning event, not only would I go to the event, but I also would heavily participate in like volunteering. And let's say, for example, if somebody, oh, we need a, 
anybody in the audience want to volunteer to be like to be practiced on and i raised my hand right i was in the front of the class i, I raised my hand everywhere i went and i asked questions so that then those who were uh, people who were speaking would would recognize me and be like who's this kid in the front row asking all these questions and just have this curiosity to say not really challenging their knowledge but out of pure curiosity just wanting to know because if i start to know what they know then i can be at even par with them and now add that and stack that to the other people i'm getting to know and now i'm building my own profile of learning multiple disciplines now a lot of that has changed with social media do you feel that that would be a, a different path a different you would have done it differently these days um maybe not because i'm still i, I i'm still and i am and will always be uh, an irl person uh, I, I think connections that are made in real life will, will trump any connections made on social media. You know, I, I'm all about the experience that is shared between people. And that's why even if you're sitting at the conference bar and you see one of your idols, maybe he's with a group, maybe he or she is with by themselves. And especially when they're by themselves, you got to go up to them be fearless and say, I just want to let you know that I, you're a big inspiration to my life. And thank you for doing what you do. Cause I want to be you one day. And a lot of times, if you tell people that they'll perk up and be like, Oh, wow. Thanks. What's your name? Where are you going to school? What are you doing? And what do you want to do? And, and because you bring value to people from the moment you meet them, I think the challenge that I have nowadays with kids, and I get this on, on the flip side, because of social media, most kids in my industry think they can just DM me and get every answer to questions that they have without even putting effort, without even bringing me value, without even offering to buy me a coffee or a drink. It's like, hey, I saw you in social media. Hey, can you answer my question? Can you give me an internship? It's like, dude, I don't even know who you are. But because social media gives them the power to just send that DM, it makes them feel they have the right to it. And that's what I'm disturbed by. There's not even a real connection or an effort. It's purely finding somebody and DMing them. Yeah, no, that doesn't work like that. Yeah, unfortunately. That's interesting. That also comes up a lot in my conversations. It's the etiquette that mm. is not there yet for online relationships. Like, how do you show up to a Zoom? What can you ask in DMs? And I think people... The example that you were giving, I think, is an example of people just being confused about boundaries, really. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. It is, <laughs> it is a boundary situation. It's like, it's, it's knowing, you know, the one thing that I always talk about with, with those that I mentor is integrity. And for me, respect comes with integrity. And if you want to gain respect, you have to give respect first. And you have to be in integrity yourself. And so in order for you to be able to ask somebody something and have them give you and their energy, you have to give it to them first because you're the one asking for it. And oftentimes people forget that, that life is an energy exchange and that when somebody answers your question, they still have to expound amount of energy, particularly when your question is a deep question that relates to a profession that they want to get into. They want you to answer a question about your whole life in one text message because they, Hey, how did you get there? Mm. And they basically want the whole story. And when you redirect them to something or can you check this out? And they're like, no, I just want to hear it from you directly. I want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, 
get in line number one number two wait a few months yeah well yeah that's that's uh that's an unfortunate side effect i guess of of that uh perceived accessibility exactly exactly yeah that's that's odd i think i think we'll get there i think the the concern for me is that we're not as humans socially we're not and psychologically we're not catching up to the pace of technology mm -hmm. we can't adjust fast yeah. enough right and it's absolutely that's where all of that you know confusion comes from it wouldn't occur to that person to come up to you in the middle of the street like if they recognized you and exactly. be like hey get me an internship like who would do that nobody would ever do that nobody would do that yeah <laughs> but they can do that because they're hiding behind a tech piece of technology so yeah in writing somehow it's acceptable which is, i know which is not <laughs> somehow which really isn't no that, that's not the etiquette so it's just not gonna happen um i do want to ask you about as an immigrant at a at an adult age what, what did you feel were the hardest things for you to accept about american culture coming from the philippines mm. For, for me, the most challenging thing about accepting American culture is, I, I guess, disconnect as it relates to their families. And I was just talking to a friend about this yesterday, where it's interesting that if you are an immigrant, you value your family, even though you and your family have arguments, or there's disagreements, or you're in the opposite spectrum of politics, you are willing to put things aside because your family and set some rules to that, so to speak. And in the end, you're still blood. I had friends that call their parents really bad names and say words like, I hate them and stuff. And it's interesting for me that, that you can even say that for somebody that birthed you. But that's just me, you know? For me, and growing up in the Philippines, family is, is everything. We nurture our relationships, even though there's massive, massive disagreements, because in the end, you're a part of a legacy and you have a family name. So yeah, I think that was one of the hardest things for me to understand the differences as relates to those even Filipinos that grew up here fully, that didn't have never been home to the Philippines, who act more quote unquote American and are so unrecognizing of what the culture is of being Filipino. Hmm. And for me, that has actually been the biggest blessing of Clubhouse to be able to provide that space for many Filipinos to understand both sides of the coin and, you know, as I established the first Filipino community in Clubhouse and the conversations were, have been amazing about talking about, you know, decolonization, you know, talking about uh, what, what is really our real culture, even though as a, as a country that was occupied by Spain for 333 years, that's not what, who really, really are. Yes, it's part of who we become, but what is inherently, what it means to be Filipino and, and there's ancient language that we have, there's uh, there's looks that we look, that we look very different, you know, and there's traditions that we have that are not American or Spanish, but rather Filipino, Filipino. And so many kids all over the world who are Filipino that never been to the Philippines don't understand that. There's a phrase, uh, called delicatessa, which is a Spanish word, uh, for making things more delicate. It's like easing in to, mm -hmm. to like, you don't just go up to somebody. It's like, Hey, you give me this. You kind of like wean around a little bit and be like, you bring value to the person. Say, hey, can I can I get you something? Can I you know can I take care of you real quick? And then be like, by the way, can you uh, <laughs> do me this favor? But then you you made somebody feel good for it. Yeah, you don't jump into it. 
Yeah. And I, and so funny for me, that's, that's, that's both a blessing and curse being here. You know, I, I think as an immigrant and you come in, you don't realize that you're standing in line at the Starbucks. And if it's a busy period of time and you don't know what you want, the people behind you will, will pretty much scream at you because you don't know what you want yet. Like you make your decision. You're like, Oh my God, there's so many things. There's so many things. And they're like, make the decision or let the other person say it first, you know? And you're just like, but it's my first time going to a Starbucks. Like, I don't know all these things, you know, like I didn't, know I had that experience. This choice, this choice <laughs> and that choice and this choice. There's so many choices that, and that nobody takes the time to describe to you the choice just because it's like, it's not their job. You're supposed to know. You're supposed to know. You're supposed to do research. Yeah. So I find it fascinating. I just find it absolutely fascinating. The somewhat disparity that occurs between those that even lightly lived in the Philippines. And so there's, there's rooms now called, am I Filipino enough? You know, cause there are questions of people who are either half breeds or, or people that never went back to the home for the Philippines, but are Filipino that are now asking themselves, am I Filipino enough or am I actually American? But I don't, I, what does looking American like, or what the sound American one like, cause I look and sound Filipino. So so how so do there's... you feel about that? How do you think about that? Because I think it's one of the essential, you know, questions of, you know, belonging and identity that mm. every immigrant at some point or a third culture kid and you growing up probably to a degree had it going on your entire life. Like, how do you think of yourself and those cultures? I'm, I'm, I'm a mishmash of everything. So when, when I think of myself of how to then find your sense of belonging is to transcend let's transcend the color of your skin or the culture to which you are described to be and literally be just like what i wanted to be when it came to uh, where i wanted to be in my life professionally it's like i have to transcend i have to be better than everybody else and not you know from professionally but from a culturally in a sense you do have to be better than everyone else you want you want to be you want to make sure that you do the right thing so that then you know, you present yourself with no biases, but rather having the ability to accept everyone for who they are, because it's inherent in you uh, as somebody that's, uh, that's somebody that's traveled the world and somebody that's lived in different countries and grew up in different places. It's like, I, I am who I am. I'm, you know, and so if you transcend, then there's no having to choose, having to choose. And yes, sometimes you'll be reminded as you tick boxes on. Yeah immigration forms and all that oh, other stuff. The most confusing things on earth. Yeah, exactly. Because now there's 10 million different things now. But but as a human being to another human being, you know, acceptance comes from just not looking blindly, but by full acceptance who everybody is for themselves and, and the journey that they've been through. But have you felt in, I mean, it might be a little different for you because you were born here and you you were coming as American, quote unquote, into the into the professional world here. But have you ever felt that you were looked at or perceived as differently or less than because uh, of you being alien? No, actually, I've, I've been looked at even higher on it, you know, and, and revered. Uh, because now, because of the background, and because I'm so, I'm so knowledgeable about my culture, and so knowledgeable of of the philosophies I have in my life is that, that the respect I get is completely different. It's like, oh, you're that guy that looks it's innovative. You're the guy that like, you know, so there's no, I never felt like I was below anybody or felt like I was looked down upon. It was all about like, I want to know what you know, please teach me, mm. you know, and I'm not saying by any means I'm a guru by any means, but, 
but well, right, they... right now you are at the phase, you know, of your career and of your achievement where you are, you know, definitely more knowledgeable and, and you are in the mentor position, but coming up in the earlier years, like, did you feel like you were fighting some resistance from coming from above or from um, your peers? Not necessarily because there's always something I knew that, that nobody else knew. I think you were just so focused on your thing that you didn't even notice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I, it's like in order for you to to make sure that you are belonging and everywhere you go, always have something in your back pocket that somebody can ever like topple you. My father will always say, you know, education is the one thing that no one can ever take away from you. And if you start studying at an early age and start reading and start learning about philosophies and, and start learning about the world before anyone else does, some people have more degrees than you, but if they've never traveled around outside of the country, you already have one up them, you know, because you know more about culture than anybody else in the room if they've never traveled outside the country. Yeah. Well, you certainly had uh, had that. I I know we're coming up at the, you know, at the at the top of the hour. I, I do. I do have one more question. I know you are very passionate about mental health and general like well-being and you um I know that you're also passionate about bringing it back home to the Philippines. And um, it's, it's one of those things that it's, um, I don't know what the culture around mental health and mental well-being is in Philippines. In Russia, there is no, uh, at least for me, when I was growing up, there was mm -hmm. no culture of that. Like when I told my grandmother that I got into therapy here in in the US she was like are you crazy as in like she actually thought that i was crazy 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 yes absolutely completely uh, <laughs> and so uh in russia of course like there's you know a lot of history of uh, addiction and you know with instability socially politically all of that just you know blossoms in the most negative ways i'm curious like how do you see um, those concepts transitioning from West to the East, because we always think of those concepts of mindfulness and meditation and all of those, you know, peace and balance coming from the East to the West. Which is really a fallacy because I think, yes, the roots are in the East, but those that propagate it and make it understandable for the general population is in the West. And um, I, I think in the East, we, we feel like it's something we're used to seeing on the side. So nobody really gives it notice until the West comes in, produces science to prove that it's right. So now we're not doubting the little old lady that's been massaging us with like her magical powers since we were younger because of the fact that like, oh, science says what she's doing is actually valid and reliable. And you're like, oh, okay. So now you bring it back to the East and saying like, oh, this is a thing. It's like, wasn't that thing that old lady used to do with it all the time? You know, and so, but now we're, we're now because of the internet generation nowadays that we now have the ability to recognize who we are. And, and once again, going back to decolonization and the studying of who our culture is deep, deep inside is understanding what it is are the practices uh, that our ancestors used to practice uh, from back home and how then we can bring that to the forefront by being proud of what those are. And, and that's why so many more people are going home. Like, like people who were born in South America are all slowly coming back to South America to understand plant medicine, to understand the use of um, herbal things to heal pain and, and all these other things, because it's in season now. That recognition of going back to basics is coming to fruition. And that's also happening in the Philippines. Um, because 
there was that phase of science to say in the Western way of saying that it's a cool thing now. And so now everyone's like, well, that's just a cool thing. We're making it cooler because now we're going to go to the source. And when it comes to mental health, you know, there was still a stigma with what illness is because when back in the day, because of religion, people would think that, you know, the devil has possessed you. And, but now there's the honor, there's slowly becoming a, a bigger awareness of the difference between mental illness and mental health. When you talk about mental health, it doesn't mean you're mentally ill. Just like having physical health, you can be physically ill. And you, as long as you can know the difference between mental health and mental illness and knowing that mental health is important, then you won't get mental illness. And so it's just framing things in the right way. And there's more people that are talking about it in the Philippines, which is great. I think one of my goals and my missions is life to be a champion for that back home and to be able to talk about it and also at the same time have roots on the ground through science. So it's not just, you know, there's so um, there's a lot of influencers in the Philippines talking about it. Mm-hmm. A lot of like little flighty people talking about it, about mental health and yeah. stuff, but, but, but none of them have science in the background, or if they have science in the background, it's straight like psychiatry and it scares a lot of people. Right. Well, you definitely come in with the experience, not only of the training in the, in the medical field, but you also have applied all those concepts at the highest level in, in the sports. Sport, yeah which is the highest level of stress one can even imagine. I mean, maybe astronauts is like at a oh, higher astronauts, pressure. Yeah. Astronauts like, or military. That's the only yeah. one or military. Like aside of these, like professional sports is like the top. Yeah. Um, well, I know we're, we're, we got to wrap up and I do want to ask you if there's anything that you would like to add and, or any message for Filipinos or other immigrants coming to the U.S., yeah, I think the same way as my my system goes. I, I think, as with anything else, as you step into a foreign country or a situation that's different from who you are, uh, first have a vision of clarity of what you want to do in that place. Whether it's just being there on holiday, whether that's making a name for yourself, be intentional, have a plan, have clarity, and knowing what you want to do there know that is with through by having purpose it allows you to be able to really enjoy each moment much better because you know that each step takes you to one step closer to where you want to be and then secondly you know prepare the path so now that you are in that place what are the steps that you need to take in order to, to be able to fulfill that purpose is it going to school is it getting a job is it is it creating a network or being part of a network is it merely just um, floating through space and, and understanding when the universe is going to tell you the sign, but just, just have a plan, you know, and put that plan into place. And then lastly, as I said, manifest it during the period of time that you have absolute clarity of what you want, ask for some help, allow the universe to help you because more often than not, when you do, it happens. Trust me. I'm living proof of it. Love it. Thank you so much. E. That course, was amazing. <laughs> Love it. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Check out part one of this conversation where we talk about Erwin's childhood growing up as a third culture kid in his own home country of Philippines. Find Erwin on Instagram and on Clubhouse. Check out his website. Join his rooms. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter and never miss an event or an episode of the show. All the contact info and links are in the show notes and on our website. And last but not least, don't forget to share the show with a friend. I don't know. 
someone who is unsure how to break into the new industry or community, or someone who feels that it's taking too long, or that they're too old, or that they're behind everyone else, or someone who is like me, constantly searching for a sense of belonging and who might resonate with that idea of transcending the identities and stereotypes and just aiming to be the best version of themselves. Just click share and text them the link. And remember, we're here to stay. We'll find our way. Thank you for listening. Keep staying safe. Love you all. Peace. Country, you can keep the rest. This is my country, my damn country, and it don't mean a thing.